Innovations in Equine Science. My name is Kate Acton and I'm joined by Nancy McLean. And this is the podcast where we discuss equine research and try and make it accessible to horse owners and enthusiasts. Please remember with each topic that we cover that your horse is an individual and you should get professional advice before implementing any strategies. This week, Nancy and I are looking at um, tendon training, but the way we're kind of tackling it this week is by looking at rehabilitation. So we had a request from Positive Equine on Instagram asking about tendon training and that there was a, there's a couple of schools of thought. So hearing that conditioning tendons using road work is beneficial in one sense but can be harmful to other horses i think and the thought that they had been exposed to was that it may play a role in younger horses and that it's a bit of a common belief that road work strengthens tendons regardless of age and one thing that nancy and i like to do is with common beliefs in equine we like to see if, if there's research behind it and i have to say with this one there wasn't research to really not to our knowledge so you know we can be we can be proven wrong on that if someone has come across research on it but that really looks at how specifically training occurs to strengthen tendons on the road but that's not to say that there isn't research that kind of helps us come to a decision on whether it's useful or not because there certainly is research in other areas that incorporates this kind of work and that we were able to draw some ideas from. So this is a nice long-winded way of me introducing two papers um, because when it comes to training, it's a great starting point to look at studies that have done rehabilitation. I think when it's rehabilitation, it's going to come in at a lower level and it's going to be more accessible for all horses to get onto a rehabilitation program. Whereas a training program really needs to be done with a professional who's kind of assessed your horse to make sure that it's suitable for your horse and you're not going to end up causing an injury. It's really easy to Google training programs and put your horse on one, but your horse may not have um, the ability to keep up with that. So the two papers that we looked at this week were um, biomechanical and wearability testing of novel leg wear for variable limiting extension of the metacarpopharyngeal joint of horses. And that is by B. Uh, Puglice et al. And then the second paper is rehabilitation of tendon and ligament injuries. And by that's, that's by Carol Gillis. Um, and that is an older paper, so that's 1997, but still so much of the information in it rings true today. With the yeah. second paper, what's really interesting is we're looking at um, a novel legwear. So this is where they used a kind of type of boot that they put on the horse and they were able to increase or decrease how much um, tension the boot put them under and that then affected how much flexibility they had. Isn't that right, Nancy? Yeah, they, this boot is a prototype, so it's not available yet on the market, but they designed it. It was designed by the Manta Corporation, 
And what's so neat is they can dial in the amount of flexion. So if you're under a protocol from a veterinarian to only hand walk for 10 minutes and you're at the beginning of your therapy, so the injury has pretty much just happened, then you can dial in the amount of flexion you want in that uh, tendon in the whole flexor apparatus. So that's the sesamoid, the suspensory, the flexor tendon. You can dial in for a maximum um, resist restriction of flexibility at only 10% or 10 degrees. And then that's going to keep that hoof upright where that um, fetlock doesn't have so much give to it. And I think that's incredible because that's where you end up back at square one on your rehab is when you've been doing this controlled exercise or stall rest. And even in a stall, your horse has done more damage because they're full of energy and they're ditzing around and putting too much pressure on that entire apparatus. So they did stall studies with this and it showed really promising results that this can help um, to reduce the further injury once you're, you know, dealing with a flexor tendon, um, you know, repair. So I was really impressed with it. And I, I really like the fact that the, in the boot itself doesn't come in contact with the flexor tendon, because so often that's part of the problem when you're bandaging and booting is it's right up against that flexor tendon and you're going to get a crinkle when you don't even want a crinkle when you're already dealing with an injury, but you don't even want a crinkle in a healthy tendon. So they really thought of everything. And I'm hoping with the good results on this, that um, we'll see this on the market in the near future to be able to use it. And so as you're rehabbing and you know, these flexor tendons, it's a long rehab. It can be up to a year or more rehab depending on the severity of the tear and you can just dial in your flexion and eventually when you're at the end of your rehab period um, you can have a mild or 30 degree um, extension and you know it's just really neat I, I would have never thought of this type of a device to help in controlled exercise. I think what I found like exciting about this as well is in our younger horses where we see these like developmental orthopedic diseases. So they get like the flexural deformities. This would be such a great tool because those horses we know from studies, they, um, they recover quite well. So if we catch like a developmental orthopedic disease, DOD. If we catch that early, horses are put onto a restriction exercise program. They're put onto specific diets and we control them and manage them and they can come back to actual um, full strength. But part of that, I always think when it's the developmental ones, it's less that 
you know, this horse was at full capacity and then tore. It's more this horse as it's growing, you know, has had um, problems with that tendon developing properly or strengthening. So this could actually be used as a training tool in strengthening those horses' legs. And we, in foals particularly, that have it quite bad, you know, we cast them sometimes. Sometimes we end up casting like both forelegs and that's in, you know, severe cases. But to me, I thought, you know, with casting, we see so much muscle wastage because there's so much support happening there. And even you get muscle wastage in other parts of the leg because it's just not being used and they need to be so restricted if they've been casted. Whereas something like this would mean that we don't lose as much condition and we could still actually allow for, you know, light exercise depending on the situation. So I don't think it's been tested to be used in those scenarios yet, but it definitely opens up the door of how we can implement it as a training tool. And I really, um, I have that 20 year old mare when I got her, she was two and she was born with flexural deformity, had the check limit, uh, check um, ligament surgery, you know, both lower and upper. And she was in a cast, both front legs, the first six months of her life. Now, by the time I took her on, they had tried to race her and that didn't work out. And I needed a pasture pet for my other mare. So I took her on, but that horse, she's still with me. And she has taught me so much about hoof and leg work. And, um, you know, just, I've got so much more from her than what I gave her as a home. And um, she would not put up with anything being put on her legs because that made such a mental mark on her to have those cast on her legs that one time I poulticed her just from the knee down knee to the uh, fetlock like we do on the track and she freaked out she thought she had cast back on her legs again so I had to be really more natural in her care and uh, keep her hoof care up so she was never at a poor angle to put those tendons under stress and now I think we're good to go she's 20 years old and she has been sound for a number of years so um, I think that's all healed now she does have scar tissue and she does have uh, unsightly uh, you know tendon um, look about her you can see it looks like two bowed tendons, but uh, she's good as gold and she did recover. So it just depends. Each individual injury is so different. And I think the key is to keep ultrasounding that tendon every so often to see where you are with that fiber realignment. Because if you're continuing to keep uh, motion going through. And that's why a lot of these require that you do controlled exercise, um, you know, c- pretty current after the injury. It's because you don't want those adhesions to form along that tendon. And when one of the papers discusses this controlled exercises, and um, they said, as Nancy has said, you know, 
often it's going to take up to a year of rest and rehabilitation. So if that's in the case of an injury, then, you know, training to strengthen tendons is not something that occurs quickly. They're not as vascularized and they, you know, they're harder to build up than muscle. So you're not going to strengthen a tendon in any short period of time. Any training plan you have to condition your horse, you know, you're going to have to multiply that probably by three um, for your, and that is definitely not scientific that that's an Irish thing. We do things in threes and sevens. So don't take that as words <laughs> for what you have to do. But um, I would say just reevaluate what your training looks like. And what I thought was really interesting, and I suppose, Nancy, it's like so natural to you, but I hadn't heard of ponying before. And this is where they said, instead of getting up on the racehorse, you lead the racehorse. So you're up on a pony and you lead them along. And that way they don't have the weight on them, but they're getting ridden and they're getting strengthened. But then you kind of blew my mind with, you know, the other aspect to ponying that probably isn't beneficial. Yeah, they when you're ponying, and I've had quite a few that I ponied on the track, you're turning their head towards you because you can't let them get too far out away from you because they'll get away from you and you can't have a loose horse on the track when you're trying to rehab especially a tendon injury so you tend to pull that head in towards you to keep more control and you usually have a chain or a a bit in their mouth whatever you want to do but you're it's an unnatural head pull towards you so they're putting more stress on that outside foreleg and inside hind leg so you really got to think about that with ponying if if you have a quiet horse that you can pony on a loose lead that's fine then you're able where he can put equal weight on those front legs you're not really pulling that nose into you but um it's really hard to decide if ponying on the racetrack is such a good idea especially on the outside leg that you're trying to rehab so i i you know i I even think that's individual it's according to the temperament of the horse and how cooped up he's been Um, I really like using the um, walkers that have electrified partitions because their head's not tied to anything and you can walk them as long as you want um, either direction. You can change the direction on those walkers. So I think that's even uh, good. But when you put them in and they're loose, um, they can start ditzing around and, and do damage too. So you do have to always apply your rehab and your exercise training to that temperament. It's so interesting because I I had actually never seen a walker in person um, until the other week. So with my job, we have like a teaching and learning farm and we've got some horses on the farm and they're actually like, X, I, I like to think of them as just X horses because some of them are X, you know, racetrack or they weren't successful. Um, and some are just, you know, they were maybe in rising schools and they got injuries. And then, you know, the great part of 
the course that I teach, I'm on veterinary nursing, but we also have a veterinary medicine course is that we're able to treat them. You know, we've got so many qualified professionals. So some of these horses that injuries were taken in and it's really nice setup. Like they're out to pasture and they have their own individual stalls. And it's so funny. They just walk in and straight into their stall. They've got such a great routine. But when I was looking at the walker and they were explaining to me that they have these horses really like well acclimatized to the walker and they use the walker in scenarios where we're going to have students out to like, you know, practice on the horses. And when I say practice, I mean like the bare basics for teaching students how to put on head collars, how to walk them. Um, and so they'll put them on the walker to burn some energy off the horses, particularly the ones that like to act up that know, you know, the students might be a bit nervous and, you know, see their opportunity to grab hold of their jacket or something like that. My mayor is terrible for doing that. She likes to just um, <laughs> give you a fright. <laughs> Make you think she's going to maybe bite you. <laughs> Um, they said that what they did at one point was they had people carrying out research and they had horses cantering on this walker and they they did it with these horses that like were acclimatized and you know it went through ethics and there was so much health and safety but they said it's an incredibly like humbling thing to watch because these animals are so powerful and so fast and you're watching them do it in this enclosed space. I think I would be completely on edge seeing it happen, but it's just so interesting. Like it is, it's another tool that's at our disposal, but they did, as you said, Nancy, they electrify the partition because it's safer than so much safer than tying a horse in a walker. And they said the horses learn so quick. What they normally do is if they have a horse, like they'll put them on, they give them a chance. If they're not walking on, then they put on the um, electricity. It's a really low volt. Um, It's not anything that's going to really hurt them. And that one horse that's not walking on, it might get a little bit of a zap and then they turn it off again because the horse is like, oh, okay, you know, I can't get away with it today. But it's definitely um, a great option. I really like the partition walkers. Um, I've done both types with where you secure them by the halter and those are just to me so dangerous I mean I've seen accidents with them and uh, horses tip them and and things like that so I'm more prone to encourage the use of the uh, partition ones where the horse's head is free and then we've even had where you put nine to twelve horses in this huge walker and around for a while walk trot canner and they know when the cantering down to a trot down to a walk they pretty much know the point we're going to reverse it and have them go the other way and they turn at the time when the partition is resetting to go the other way. So they know, they know, okay, now we got to go the other direction. And it's um, just a a little bit safer. Now there is room for them to kind of hop around. So um, if you are rehabbing a tendon injury on one of those, normally I would always opt to walk with the horse, have the electric off, but 
walk with the horse with a lead on them just so you can control that until they've got the edge off where you know you don't want them to hop around and re-injure because there is if you google Dr. Ramey he has a wonderful uh, article on rehabbing tendons and he's the one that directed us to the 1997 Gillis paper because he said that information is still the best information out there. And it's also on the um, American Association of Equine Practitioners site. And um, he, you know, advocated that once you do more damage, you're back to square one. So um, you want it, you want your rehab program to go like clockwork if at all possible. It can be very easy and frustratingly easy to undo all your hard work when it comes to these. And the other thing I wanted to say is I did find a study from 2011, the kinematics of treadmill versus overground locomotion in horses. And it did mention that asphalt does shorten the stride duration and decrease the vertical displacement of the withers um, as compared to a synthetic or a um, shredded rubber type of footing. So probably that the withers don't go down as much as telling you that fetlock is not flexing as much. So the asphalt is encouraging more of a stable type of situation but i i don't know i think you need to take into account the type of hoof conformation the horse has i don't think i would recommend a flat-footed horse going on asphalt if you have one that's got rock hard feet with good concavity maybe that would be a good therapy but each there's so many variables in each injury that you really need to always be on a team with your veterinarian and come up with a good rehab program you know what i think sometimes as well is like in other species we try and provide like environments and particularly in other prey species that we would own that it mimics what is natural and comfortable to them so like you know, hamsters, we give them the ability to nest and to hide themselves. And sometimes I think, wouldn't it be really cool if you could, if you had the lands and you had the space and the time and the money and all the resources to create an area that was like a rough terrain that you could put your horses out on so that they're really working, you know, their legs and their muscles. And it's just different to putting them out in the paddock. And I wonder what effect that would have on them, like behavior-wise, what kinds of mental stimulation it would provide. But also, like, we know that on those kinds of terrains, that does toughen their hooves up and it would strengthen their tendons. And the concavity comes back so quickly. We've had the, the nine inches of snow and then we had rain and we had a paddock that was just so muddy and just such suction to it that I worried about that 20-year-old mare running through that or trotting through that. So last weekend, my husband and I, we spent the whole weekend laying down. Um, We mixed within that soil hydrated lime to firm it. And then we laid 
agricultural line or like a screening. And then we laid on top of that pea gravel that's a soft lime. And now we're getting rain and I'm so pleased that the horses are not going down. They're staying on top of it. The rock is staying in place. And I was really impressed at the improvement in everyone's hoof concavity. So it was amazing to see within three days when I could look at their hoof and tell this was really doing good therapy to everyone's feet. I think, Nancy, the work you do on your farm is definitely a vocation. It's, <laughs> it's beyond a job. You really do dedicate all your time to those horses. Well, it was driving me crazy because the suction, I know it wasn't good when they're going down 6, 12 inches because of ground thawing and, you know, being a hoof care person, it was driving me crazy. And um, you know, I think Ed devoted the whole weekend because he got tired of me talking about it. <laughs> <laughs> so, but I was pleased today we're getting rain and I thought, you know, oh, I hope they're not going to just mix rock in line with the mud that was underneath there. And it didn't happen. That hydrated lime firmed up that clay and that soil to the point that it was a good foundation for the other um, screening lime and then the pea gravel to be on top of that. And I couldn't be more pleased with their hoof health right now. If you are um, rehabilitating horses too, and you're having to, like, even as you said, Nancy, you had your, because of the snow, you had your horses in and you said, which I loved, that you almost had to scrape them off the ceiling with a spatula because yeah. of the energy. Yeah. <laughs> um, but if you're having to rehabilitate a horse over a prolonged period of time and they are on stall rest, do you remember that the rehabilitation and the training is, you know, only one half of, the work that needs to be done, you do need to reevaluate their diet. And episode 17 that Nancy and I did, high starch diets and the effect on behavior is a great starting point. If you have a horse that is, you know, going to come flying out of that stall rest and damage itself on its first day out. Oh, that would be a nightmare. So I think that's everything I had on this week's one. I think like my takeaway would be, when it comes to road work, it really depends on what, you know, the age of the horse, as our listener had said themselves, it might be suited more to younger horses. We do know the science is there to say they don't flex um, as extremely. So, you know, there is definitely, you know, there's pros in terms of using road work, but then what are you doing on the road? How often are you doing it? You know, this is all going to come down to your individual horse. And I think in that mm -hmm. sense, you're going to be best to consult with um, a physiotherapist or a veterinary professional to make sure that you've got the right plan in place. Yeah. And I think the only other thing I would add to that is the best thing is to prevent these injuries from happening and to realize that they're usually due to repetitive loading and repetitive um, actions. So don't overtrain 
and make sure before you go to a level of training, your horse is prepared to take it on and to do it. And then also realize that they take missteps when they're fatigued. So don't overdo there. And then genetics play a role as well. So um, that's, you know, the main thing is let's prevent these injuries in the first place and you won't have to deal with the rehab. Everything we do at horses. Try and think about the 110 things that's going to influence that day. Yeah, that's right. So, okay, Kate. Well, I think that's all I had on this. And uh, it was a good study. And thanks to Positive Equine for sending that question into us because um, I was really interested in finding that uh protocol for a boot. We'll have to look for that on the market. I'll put the links to all the research that we quoted today on our homepage and we'll be back next week. And for any new listeners, um, you can find us on Facebook and on Instagram, conversations.equinescience on Instagram and then conversations in equine science on Facebook. Okay. Well, sounds great. Thanks so much, Kate. We'll see you next week. Take care.